Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. How is God our refuge and strength? A lesson from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood rose, the river burst against the house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's one of the clearest object lessons that Jesus gives us. This is what happens if you do not obey Jesus. Jesus genuinely sounds perplexed. He asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Jesus here is not talking about what we believe, but rather Jesus is talking about what we are doing. This is a reference to the patronage system, one that would have been very familiar to Jesus' hearers of that day and time. You see, a patron was somebody who provided for you, was someone who gave you the means to to work or to exist. Um, Without a patron's help, you were on your own. You would frequently call a patron Lord. Someone who had authority, power, resources that you did not have. So it's well known to the people that Jesus was talking to that if you didn't do what the patron wanted or commanded, then your relationship with the patron would end. This isn't high-level math. If you didn't do what the person who provided for you you didn't do what they asked of you, you had no relationship with them at all. So in that way, this is less of a question, rhetorical question on Jesus's behalf and more of a warning to those who profess that Jesus is in charge of their life, is Lord of their life, has power and control in their life, but who don't live it out. Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. This is what it looks like when someone shows up, when they listen to me, and they put my words into action. 
This is what it looks like when you come to Jesus, when you hear his words, his teachings, his instructions, and his commandments, and is then obedient to what Jesus has asked. This is what that looks like. A house that is built on a strong and solid foundation that is not shaken when the waters rise. So let's do a checkup, shall we? Let's Let's see how you're doing based on Jesus's criteria. Remember, his criteria are these, that you come to Jesus, that you listen to Jesus, and that you then do what Jesus has asked. Do you come to Jesus? Truly? I'll assume that if you're joining us remotely for worship right now, you're doing so in a sincere effort to come to Jesus, to literally be close to the Son of God. So good. (laughs) You're one for one. We'll count that as a win. We know that showing up, showing up to Jesus is most of what we're describing here. But then there's the second piece of this. Then there's hearing what Jesus has to say. That is to be in the presence of Jesus. To hear his stories. To to put ourselves in place of the disciples. To hear things as Jesus intended them. That's what it means to to hear Jesus' words. It means to be in God's love. And to dwell in that experience, it literally means to be changed by being close to God's holy word. So I'll stop there. Are you two for two? Do you actively choose to be present with Jesus? And then are you willing to listen to him? I don't think we should take these two criteria for granted. Jesus's own followers had a difficult time with this second piece of things. You may recall that when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, what we call call as the the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transformed, when when God gets Peter, James, and John's attention, do you remember what God's message was to them? This is my son. Listen to him. Lesson is clear. It's not just enough to show up, to be present to Christ's um, presence with us. It's also imperative that we listen to Jesus. So how are you now? Are you two for two? Well, then there's the last bit. The piece of the criteria That is a game changer. Are we doing what Jesus commands us to do? So how did you score? Are you one for three? Showing up, perhaps. Or are you two for three? Showing up and listening to Jesus. Or maybe, just maybe, you are three for three. 
That is, you are showing up to be in Christ's presence. You're listening to Jesus' words and instructions, and you're putting them into action. In baseball, going two for three at the plate would be outstanding. In fact, a career of going two for three at the plate would make you alone in your ability to hit the ball and to put it into play and to reach base. To go two for three would mean that you're hitting 667, unheard of in our era. Heck, going one for three would mean hitting 333 and being an all-star. Going two for three with Jesus, however, Going two for three with Jesus will get you this. You'll notice how Jesus didn't say, if the water rises or if a storm comes. The question is not if a calamity will strike, but when. In our context, we've been privileged for some time to not have to be familiar with these types of storms and realities, but I think we've established that we've been under a storm warning for some time now. The water is rising, and it is swirling all around us. So let's be reflective for just a few moments. How's your house? How are you? How's our church? How's our community doing? or our nation for that matter? What's the state of our global community? Have we built a foundation on rock? Or are we seeing it played out in real time that we've not built ourselves on a foundation of Jesus Christ? The hard truth is that much of what I've just described is self-apparent. We don't need to do our own scorecard at home to see if we are one for three, two for three, or, or batting a thousand with Jesus. Because the truth of the matter is, if we are in fact showing up to be present with Jesus, making time for him, if we are listening to Jesus, and if we're putting that into action, not only will our house be set upon firm ground, but our lives will be bearing fruit. Others will be able to see that that the life that we are living in Christ Jesus demonstrates clearly the answer to the question that Martin Luther King Jr. has asked. We are doing a life for others because that is the core of who Jesus was in his servant leadership and what he preached and proclaimed. If we don't look like Jesus, it's because Jesus is not within us.
Jesus tells us that a life of strength and stability, something that I think we're all hungry for, Jesus tells us that a life of strength and stability happens when we come to Jesus, when we listen to what he has to say, and we are then obedient to his commandments. In the object lesson that Jesus uses to describe how someone constructs his or her life, Jesus says a life of strength belongs to the one who digs deeply and lays a foundation on rock. I like that detail about digging deeply. And I'll confess that in my modest experience of digging, I'll tell you, digging is hard work. Some of the most back-breaking work I've ever done has been digging holes for posts to go in. Post hole digging. And also, I remember laying the foundation, the footer, of homes that would, were to be built. And I will tell you that digging sounds easy, but when you go out with a spade or shovel, and you begin to turn the earth, you'll find that not all soil is equal. Sometimes it's soft, sometimes it's frozen. Sometimes you'll make some progress and then get stuck. Other times you'll hit any number of objects, roots, root systems, rock, sometimes water. Digging is hard work. When we lived in Chattanooga, we needed to put up an area fence. So I got the help of a church member that knew a whole lot more about this than I did. And we went out and we, we laid out where the post needed to go. And I remember digging and neither my good effort or the state of my muscles or the character and quality of the tool that I was using was sufficient for the job. We needed help. And it required not only additional people, but the right kind of tools to dig deep enough to be able to put posts down and then secure it with good stone. Sure. It would have been easy for us not to go to those links, but the fence would not have remained standing. Chattanooga gets some mean weather at times. And we had toddlers and preschoolers. If they pushed on it, they would easily have pushed it down. No. My point is this. Don't go to sleep on digging a firm foundation. It requires work. Just as it is true when we dig a strong foundation in what Jesus has asked us to do so that it can bear fruit in our lives. Digging deep requires work. Work that this church has valued for well over a century that, that required presence and attendance and engagement and study. This church has never checked its mind at the door. And something that's distinctive for us here at First Baptist Church. It's something we've always done and valued. And that is good questions and making sure that our minds were transformed. Now this makes us unique. 
to our other brothers and sisters in Christ in a variety of different settings. But it's something that's distinctive about us, and that is developing our minds because that we know that when our mind is out of sync with what we're doing, great damage can be done. When we disconnect what we're doing from the mind and heart that Christ is working on, we become a shallow, ineffective sanctuary that is good for nothing but collapse. Digging is hard work. Faith in Jesus, that is being close to him, listening to him, putting his words into action. Y'all, that requires effort and perseverance. It requires sweat and muscle. But here's the thing. The effort is worth it, especially when you've seen what can happen to you in a storm. All you have to do is look at some of the elders in our church, individuals whose lives have borne fruit, and you know it because you've seen how they have weathered a storm. This didn't come by accident. This was forged through decades and a lifetime of of listening to Jesus and putting his words and instructions to good use and action. There is a reason why our church elders are wise and mature and grounded in their faith. Their homes and their lives are still standing. They are a witness and a testimony to us. The foundation God wants us to lay is laid on rock, solid ground. And I think that the old hymn says it best. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. In every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Not earth nor hell my soul can move. I rest upon unchanging love. I trust his righteous character, his counsel, promise, and his power. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. But who in the world has time for digging? Who has the energy to dig, especially now? Who has time to dig deep to build a foundation in the midst of a storm If you go online here in a few minutes after we sign off and you Google Bell Rock Lighthouse, you will see a 115-foot lighthouse that looks unlike anything we may be familiar with. For those of us who have frequented our beautiful coastline, the Outer Banks, we're familiar with lighthouses 
Yes, sometimes they are built on spits of sand. Sometimes those lighthouses have had to be moved back because the ocean wanted to eat at its foundation. What makes the Bell Rock Lighthouse unique is that it is 11 miles offshore. It is in what we would consider the middle of the ocean. Questions for us are twofold. Who in the world builds a lighthouse out in the ocean? And two, how does one build a lighthouse in the middle of the ocean? The Bell Rock Lighthouse is located 11 miles east of the coast of Scotland. And for centuries, as ships would frequent the coastline and try and go upriver, they found that at night, in daylight, and particularly at storms, during storms, ships would run aground on a reef 11 miles off the coast under a spit of rock that overwhelmingly was submerged by the waves. It was an abbot, actually, that rode out to this spot, constructed some kind of rickety contraption back in the 15th century that had a bell on it so that the bell would ring to warn ships when, it came, when they came close. Because who in the world would see that there would be trouble so far from land? In 1811, they did an extraordinary thing, requiring unheard of investment and engineering. They chose to build a lighthouse on less than an acre worth of an outcropping of rock that for most of the day is beneath 16 feet of seawater. How did they build this 115-foot um, lighthouse? They had but four hours at low tide to be able to construct this lighthouse. Four hours, that's all they had. So for months, they arranged it so that they could be close by, so that when the water dropped and they were able to stand on solid rock, they were then able to build, but they had to, to be efficient, they had to be effective, they had to be able to get their work in and then get out of there. Because when the water came back in, there was no way to build. Four hours a day. That's all they had to do their building. And they would never have been able to build their lighthouse if it had not been built on solid rock. This lighthouse is still operational and still stands today. Y'all... Faith in Jesus requires more than just our professions of faith when we were children. A life of faith in Jesus Christ requires putting into action what Jesus teaches us. And to do that, we are going to have to dig deep and work hard 
to build our lives on solid rock. So we've got to use the time that we have for the sake of our children, our families, and for ourselves so that we can strike hard while the iron is hot. Church has a long history of doing this, doesn't it? It carved out space every week. They may not have had all day of every week, but they asked for several hours each week to be engaged, to be present with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, and to put Jesus' words into action. The church, therefore, and the people became a refuge and a strength. We can't gather right now, it's true. But y'all, if we're not coming close to Jesus and if we're not hearing his stories and if we're not letting those stories bear fruit in our lives, this is our future. And for some of us who are listening, you know that this is not your future, it's your present. Hear Jesus' words as a warning to draw close to him, to listen to him, And to use what time we do have, even if it's just a fraction of each day, so that we can build our lives on the strong foundation of Jesus' teachings, so that our lives, much like the lighthouse, can stand strong and give light to others who are sailing blind in a storm at night. Y'all, the things in this world, like the people and movements that that were not built on solid rock of Jesus' commandments, they have and are being washed away. I beg you not to become one of them and to find yourself sunk beneath the surface of waters in a watery graveyard. Let's Become what we were intended to be, light to others. But it's going to require us to dig deep, to dig smart, to find Christ the solid rock, and to use the time that we have been given to build ourselves up so that others might see our good work, give glory to God in heaven and to not end up on the rocks of failure and the sands of disaster. Let us pause and be quiet for just a few moments as we have a time of guided prayer. Let us pray. God, help us to consider the state of our house right now. Are we standing? Or are we falling to the wind and the waves around us? God, give us the ability and the insight to be honest with ourselves. And to help us know, God, that you don't call us to be an island. The church is more than just an scattering of islands in a vast ocean. God, we pray that we recognize that we are strongest when we build our foundation together. 
So help us to be honest for just a moment. And to then have the wherewithal and the courage to turn to you and to confess that we've not built well. God, your words to us in Jesus Christ are crystal clear. Oh, they're hard to hear. (laughs) They are, but they're clear. Help us, God, to have ears that hear and eyes that see. And that we are able, when we draw close to you, to hear you, to remove the distractions. And then, God, give us what we need to roll up our sleeves, to check the tides, and to recognize it's time to dig deep, to learn, to ask hard questions, and to put the good work of our mind and our heart to bear so that we are building our lives, our church, and our community, and our nation on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his words. Not just those who use Jesus as a political prop, no God, but rather those who would Jesus use Jesus' words and instructions and commandments to bear fruit because ultimately, God, the question before us is what our lives do for others in Christ-like service. Build rock upon rock together, God, so that we might become a lighthouse that can stand the test of time so that others might see your light, your works, your fruit, point to you, not for our own sake, but for the sake of all who sail. Amen. We're grateful, I'm grateful, for your willingness to show up and to draw close to Jesus. I'm not Jesus our staff, our volunteers, but we're not Christ. Now we are seeking to be Christ-like and allow Christ to live through us by, you, by your choosing to engage and not just putting the world and life on a shelf until things get better. When you do that, you are drawing close to Christ by drawing close to Christ's words. And we gather together, even in this extraordinary moment, to hear Jesus' words. That's what's transformative. So I'm grateful for your presence with us and for sharing this word to others and following up with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, your neighbors, your coworkers, friends. This Wednesday, we do have something that we want you to plug in. It's going to be at 5.30 this Wednesday. We're going to let you know in our email and in the chimes. I'm going to be joining Pastor Mary Brown, Dr. Brown, across the street at First United Methodist Church, where she is interviewing local pastors and ministers. And my turn is this Wednesday. And so we will give you the link to join us at 5.30 this Wednesday um, as Dr. Mary and I have conversation together. You'll hear more about that, but I look forward to our time together and how we're going to be able to share that between our two congregations. We ask for your prayers for our First Explorers ministry as we continue to be a, a source of refuge and strength for children and families. We're also very grateful for your continued faithfulness. Financially, we finished 
2020 um, strong. But we are entering into a period where traditionally our gifts and offerings wane and we pray that you will go to either firstbaptistsilva.com and click on give or that you will continue to come by our office and continue your giving so that our good efforts and good intentions can bear fruit. So thank you for all of you who have continued to be partners with us in ministry. To conclude our time together, we do so being reminded of God's good news and words to us. Prior to these moments, let me just say how much we love you and we miss you and we invite you to continue to remain close to Jesus, to hear his words and to allow his words to bear fruit in all that you say, all that you post, all that you text and all that you say. And to our God, who by the power of work within us, he is able to do and accomplish abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. To God be the glory in the church and to Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever.